You know, this week I, um, I read a blog. Um, does anyone read blogs? Short ones. Uh, this was by a guy called, called John Shaw. And he, he put a title on his blog. And his title was, When Bad Christians Happen to Good People. And he just wrote this thing where this happened to him. Like He's a, he's a Christian now, but he, he wrote this thing about uh, something that happened to him a few years back before he was a Christian. Let me, let me read it to you. It's pretty interesting. This is before he was a Christian. It says, My wife Catherine and I used to study and practice Zen. One morning we were walking towards our car after a night spent sitting Zazen at a Zen center with a dozen or so other would-be Buddhists. Buddhas. Um, as we were approaching our car, we saw that a guy had just pinned a flyer under our wipers and was now doing the same to the car park behind ours. He gave us a friendly wave. I hope you don't mind me leaving one of these on your car, he said cheerily. No problem, I said. But what he apparently somehow heard was, please come over and talk to us. <laughs> it's for a nearby church, he said. He had a slight gleam in his eye that was somewhere between a little too friendly and crazy. Um, it gives the name of the church. Have you ever heard of it? No, I haven't, I said. So you folks study Buddhism there in the center? Well, sort of. It's Zen Buddhism. We like it. We've been at it a pretty long time now. Oh, is that right? Do you find it helps you with your life? Well, actually, yes, it's been really helpful. It's been a wonderful thing for both of us. This guy goes on to say, but you must know that you, it can't give you what the Lord Jesus Christ can. The only way you can ever find what you're really seeking is to open up your heart to the fact that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. Savior. I said, well, well that's great. Uh, I mean, I know that for a lot of people, Christianity is perfect. We've chosen Zen. I've got a friend who's a Hindu. My wife's dad is Catholic, and everyone has to find their own way, don't they? And this guy said, yeah, but there's only one true way, friend, and that way is through Jesus Christ. And... Christianity is a really sound option for sure, I said, and he stepped toward me. It's more than just an option. It's the only way. Anyone who doesn't repent of their sins and declare the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior is lost to the flames of eternal hell. I felt a tight ball gathering in my stomach. With one hand on my door handle, I smiled over the top of the car and said, well, that doesn't sound like much fun. I hope that doesn't happen to me. And he goes on to say nothing like a little final destiny humor to lighten the mood when you're being accosted in the street by a Christian zealot in an orange baseball cap. Oh, it will, the guy says. It happens to everyone who chooses but the one true way. And then I made a mis- the mistake I often do in life. I started talking too much. Look, I understand that Christianity works for you, and I think that's outstanding. Your life must be so rich because of your faith, but must Christianity be the only way? Can't there be other good ways for people to know and experience what you call God? Does everyone who chooses any other way but Christianity have to be wrong? He smiled and shrugged. Hey, I don't make the rules. You can fight against it all you want, but the fact is that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. The cost of not accepting him as your Savior is the eternal damnation of your soul. I pulled open my car door. Well, I guess I'll just have to hope that you're mistaken, I said. Oh, I'm not, buddy. He raised his voice a notch. But you are, both you and your wife, are condemning yourselves in the eyes of the Lord by engaging in sinful idolatry. All right, I'll bear that in mind. Well, actually, there aren't any idols in Zen, but I see what you're saying, I said, and thanks for sharing. Have a good day. As I closed my door, the guy moved in front of my car. 
He held up his hand like he was halting traffic. He said, stop what you're doing. Let the Lord into your heart. You please the devil with your sinful ways. I started the car. I'm thinking, I'm wondering if I'm going to have to run this guy over. You're lost, cried the guy. And, uh, but he also demonstrated that he hadn't lost all touch with reality by stepping away from the front of, of our car. Repent, he yelled from the curb. Accept the Lord. Turn your back on the devil. Rid yourself of your sin. I slowly pulled the car out and headed down the residential street. Well, said Catherine, wasn't that special? Can you? And then the guy says, can you imagine being God and looking down and seeing that? I wonder what Jesus thinks when he sees stuff like that. And his wife Catherine says, maybe he thinks that I should become a Buddhist. <laughs> or maybe Jesus thinks, I need to get some new salespeople. People who aren't totally rude and intrusive and people who don't think that the way to attract people to me is to scream insults at them. Mm. You know, he goes on to say towards the end of this article, he says this, you know, that, that, that Christian guy with the flies and the orange cap, he meant well. That, that he meant well is not in question. And he was telling some, you know, some truths there. But instead of attracting my wife and me to Christianity, he repelled us away from it. Because his evangelizing was grounded in a lack of respect. By proving that he had no respect whatsoever for our belief system, he proved that he could have no respect for us personally. And that can only mean that he did not and would not love us since the best that love without respect can be is patronizing. He also eradicated any possibility of his loving us by driving us away from him. It's not possible to actually and truly love someone with whom you have no relationship at all. I mean, this is just a guy just writing of his experience. You know, it's just, just one guy's experience. But, um, and, and let me tell you, you know, I, I read this and I... I know that there's been times in my life as a young Christian where I, I felt a little bit like this guy in the orange baseball cap, you know, and um, felt a little sad when I sort of thought about that, but it's at the same time glad that I've kind of grown up a little. And um, you know, The last two weeks we've been looking at angles on this whole thing of us as God's people sharing our faith, trying to help others to find God. Like, it's what the Bible calls evangelism. Um, what a lot of Christians these days call you know, personal witnessing. Um, but I know, it, and it, it can be a challenging topic. I mean, it could be worse. We could be talking about fasting. Um, but it's a tough topic. Um, and, you know, it, it can be a tough old world out there when you believe in God. And a lot of people, you, they look at... Christians, they look at the church and they say, you know, you're all just bigots or you're all intolerant or you just, you know, you look down on the rest of us. You're not living in the real world. You, you haven't switched your brain on. You know, you're weird. And we are a little bit weird. I mean, just look around, you know. Not the people in the front row here. Or maybe just a little. <laughs> You know, you get accused of, accused of being sexually repressive, of, being, of just having no fun, of being a prude. And, you know, we're, and so you're going out into this world and saying, so we're, somehow this, we've, got a, we've got a job to do to help people to find God. It's tough. It's a tough world out there. You know, you, you read the Bible and, and, and Jesus is saying, come on, 
come on, go and, go and spread the word. Go and gather, the, gather those that are, out, that are out there. Gather them and you, know, and you come to church and your pastors are saying, yeah, let's do this thing. Let's do this thing together. And you know, for many of us, and I know, look, I, I can see a, this place that I've been in myself many, many times. And it's like we, so easy for us to go, you know, can't we just come and hang out at church with our, with our Christian friends and um, just enjoy that and this evangelism stuff. It just sounds a little inconvenient and a little, uh, a little hard. Um, yeah, there might be other, other reasons where you're thinking like, oh, I don't know if this is, uh, this is for me. You might be like, well, well, I don't know how to answer someone if they, if they say to me, hey, prove that God exists. You might, um, you know, you might feel a little inadequate with other questions that, that you just think like, they're going to ask me something, I'm just not going to know the answer. Or you might feel that when you, you know, you think if they're looking at your life, you might feel like, I don't know if, I'm a particularly good example um, of the Christian life. And so I don't know if I want to talk about my faith because, you know, I don't feel like I've really represented Jesus that well myself. Or you might be in a place where you're working and people look at, look at Christians as just like, they just don't appreciate, they're irrational or unscientific or narrow. And, um, you know, maybe that you've, at some time you've attempted to, talk to, about someone to Jesus and share your faith and, and it's just gone really, really badly. And so it's, it's, it could be all sorts of things, but you just can be like, oh, you know, this is, this is a tough deal. What do we do? So what we're going to do today is we're just going to talk a little bit about sharing your faith without being a turkey. How's that sound? Sharing your faith without being a turkey. Put your own word in there. Um, without being obnoxious. Without being like the guy in the orange baseball cap. Um, you know, I've got the title up there. I think it's talking about faith and staying friends, you know. Talking about faith and staying friends with people. You know, um, just thinking about some of the things, experiences I've had. I can remember way back when I was at a friend's um, stag do. And um, you know, the thing with friends is that um, the, it's only the people that you care the most about that you make a real effort on their stag do with. Hey, that's right. So, so we made a big effort with this guy. He was a really good friend. So we hired a little fairy costume, which was sort of you know, a little short skirt with a little bit of fluff around the bottom. It was white. It had a little thing on here, bobble ears. And, and we hired that for him. And um, I know you. I know you appreciate. He knows. You know. Just it's just it's just the way guys show their affection for one another, and um, which was fine. Except we'd also set up this trailer um, with kind of shackles on each side, uh, with sides, and we just shackled him to that with his fairy costume and went driving through Auckland, went down Queen Street. And, um, we're having a great time. Had a, had, had a loud hailer out the window, just to you know, letting everyone know, hey, he's getting married. You know, chair. And we're having a good time. And then in the midst of this down Queen Street, we had all of these bunches of people came running over to us when they stopped at the traffic light and saying, like, you guys are going to hell. You need to repent of your sins. You need to find Jesus. And I says, bro, we know Jesus, you know, we're, we're, and um, we're, we're good. No, no, you're not good. You know, you're not good. You need, to, you need to repent. You need to get your life right with God. I said, bro, seriously, like, you know, we're, 
we're, we're good. We've, we, we, we pray. We talk to Jesus. We're Christians. Just having fun with our dear friend. And um, it was just interesting, you know. And there's this other time where I was working in Henderson and um, in some offices that looked over one of the main intersections in Great North Road in Henderson. And every Friday afternoon from about 3 o'clock, there was a guy that would just stand there, you know, with his Bible. And, and he'd just be just, just shouting, shouting out, out to... It didn't seem to really be to anyone, but he was just, just shouting out to people. And I was sort of watching this guy. And I'm like, going like, look, is anyone listening to this guy? Is anyone actually... And, uh, you know, like, just watching him there, and it just seems like no one was listening to people, sort of crossing the road to avoid him. And I just felt like going out there and just giving the guy a big hug, you know? It was just like, it was hard, you know? It's just, just doing what you want, you know, felt was right, but just, um, just no one was listening. So what do we do? You know, how do we, how do, we do this thing of sharing our faith so that it... Um, it's um, it's it's kind, it's gracious, it's loving, um, without being a turkey. So that's what we're going to look at today. Let's just let's just pray. God, I just pray that you just plant in our heart your your heart for people. God, it's you know we are talking about something that's it's not it's not the easiest thing in the world. You know, um, we're so grateful for people that are really good at sharing their faith and see people come to know you. We're so grateful for the people that talk to each of us. God, in, in our lives to the point where we said yes to God. We're so grateful for them. And God, I just pray that you'd plant a little bit more of your heart in us for others so that we would, we would engage in our, the, our world, our communities, our workplaces, God, with open arms, you know, with the, with the expectation, God, that, that we would see some gathered in, and many gathered in, God, to come to you. Plant your heart in our heart. Amen. There's a great scripture, really, I want to talk about this morning, and um, it's really most of what I'm going to talk about this morning comes from the scripture. And again, it's the Apostle Paul. He's just giving some instructions to the church. This is the church in Colossae. It's uh, the book of Colossians. And he wrote to them in chapter 4, verse 2, he says this. He says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Doesn't that feel nice? It just feels like, it just feels like yeah, that's good advice. I love, I love Paul's and his... Uh, in, um, in his approach to this thing, it's gracious, it's balanced, it's thoughtful um, about how we can share our faith winsomely and attractively. So, but you know the, what he starts with? And you know, a lot of people will say you need to talk to people about God. But what he starts with here is that, no, you've got to talk to God about people. You've got to talk to God about people. That's where he starts. He says, it's, devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. You know, talking to God about this thing is where it all starts. You know, stuff happens when you pray. Stuff happens when you pray. You look back at the story of the early church, and for those of you that read your Bible, the book of Acts is the story of the early church. And um, right in chapter 1 there, you find that the, the apostles, the followers of Jesus, they were praying. And what happened when they prayed is that 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus after that. It says in Acts one fourteen. The apostles all joined together constantly in prayer along with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So they were praying, and then this incredible thing happened. But all of these people came to faith. And then 
And then what do they do with that, the, the 3,000 and others? Um, one of the first things that they, they do is that they're taught to pray. It goes on Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They taught to pray. You know, prayer is... The New Testament is a lot of letters from Paul the Apostle and from Peter, the Apostle Peter and to a number of churches that have been planted all around you know, um, Asia and, and, uh, and Europe. And in every single one of them, you'll read an encouragement to pray. Pray, pray, pray. It's what Paul's, Paul's saying. And you know, when you read what Paul's saying, it's, it's like he's giving them a secret for why he's so effective to, in reaching people for Christ. He's saying it's prayer. It's prayer. It's just praying. And I know I said this a couple of weeks ago, but virtually every person that comes to faith, they'll be able to track someone somewhere where someone's been praying for them. Where someone's been praying for them. Devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. Now, I love that we've got some great prayers here at, at Coast Vineyard. I know that you know, a number of you, you it's, it's your thing. And, oh, it's wonderful. Um, you know, when you read a scripture like this, where it says, devote yourself to prayer. Devote's a pretty strong word, isn't it? Like, it's a, it's a, it's a big-time word. And, um, you know, I read words like that. I mean, like, I pray. But, like, I'm thinking, do I devote myself to prayer? I'm like, you sort of read that, and you feel a little sheepish. It's like, oh, I probably should be, I probably should be praying more and praying for these people more. And I haven't, I've forgotten to pray for that person who I really felt like I should be praying for. And, and you can sort of beat yourself up a little bit. But I was sort of thinking about this, and some of you might be thinking the same when it comes to this whole thing of praying for, for people. It's like, how about we do this? How about we don't beat ourselves up? But how about we just, today, we decide next week we'll pray a little bit more than we did last week. Does that sound like something we could do? Just next week, just pray a little bit more than we did last week. And, you know, and, I mean, smartphones are great, aren't they? You know, you could, maybe you could get your phone out and say, okay, Google, no, uh, Siri, remind me to pray more next week than I did last week. I don't know, do whatever you can. Put, put a little post-it note on your windscreen, on your steering wheel, saying, don't forget to pray. That's, that's something that we can do. I think that's something, that's, that's a picture of the, the journey of faith that we all have. It's just one step at a time. Let's just try and do a bit better next week than we did last week. And I'll tell you, stuff happens when you pray. Stuff happens when you pray. I know for some people, I've had an interesting conversation with... Um, with one of my daughters um, just this last week, and she was talking to her her friends, uh, and they were sort of saying, but about talking about prayer, and, and it's like they were saying, the friends were saying, I don't, I pray and nothing happens, and she was saying, but I've prayed and stuff has happened, and I've prayed and stuff hasn't happened, but then after a while it has happened, and um, but I loved it, um, but stuff happens when we pray. Hearts change if you're praying for someone. Their heart changes. Our heart changes when we pray. You know? We, and when we're, when we're praying for other people, what happens there? We just open up our heart for God to plant his heart into our heart. And we just end up, we ended up um, liking people more. We ended up, we ended up um, getting more of a genuine concern and affection for people. Hearts change when we pray.
And then what Paul does, he talks to us about how we can then, um, how we can pray. Yeah, this is a great little bit of scripture, how we can pray for someone to find um, faith in, in Jesus. And he says, um, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And there's a couple of things there. One is he's saying, devote yourself to prayer. Just persevere. Just keep going. Just keep going. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought like, you know, you know this God who created, created the universe. I mean, I walked outside last night. It was quite a clear night. And you just look up and you just go like, oh, man. You know, this God is like, how does this all work? This, this God is incredible that this Everything that is created has come from him. Like, you know, blow, it does my head in, to be honest. But I'm thinking, if this, if this is the God that we pray to, he can do anything. So why doesn't he? Why doesn't he just do things when we ask him to? Why doesn't he just do something right now when he can? I've seen him heal people, like miraculously heal people. Just like, amazing. But then I've prayed for a lot of people and they haven't got healed. I'm like, come on, God, like, why, why, does, why does that not happen? Why don't you just give us what you're, we're asking for, God, first time around? Why don't you just do that? Just give us what we're asking for. Why does he want us to persevere in prayer? And I'm sure that there'd be lots of different answers there, but one thing that I'm sure of about this whole thing is that perseverance changes us. Like, he's wanting to, to do something in us. Often we feel like the thing we're praying about is there's this issue out there that we need sorted out, and, uh, but God's just wanting to do something in us. And he, just wants to, he just wants us to push in in prayer and so that, and as we do, he sort of chips away at our own heart, reshapes our heart, fixes stuff in us, our perspectives. So it's important. You know, you might be thinking that God needs to fix your spouse. And God's thinking, no, I need to fix you. You might be thinking like, God, you need to give me a better job, and he might be going, God might be going. I need to, I need to work on some of your identity issues. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you are somebody who prays, and you're feeling like, you know, it's why is this not happening? Why is why is nothing changing? You know, maybe a, a good question to be asking God is like, God, what are you wanting to do in me? What am I not learning that you're wanting me to learn? What does he want to teach us? What, is, what is, needs fixing inside me? So perseverance changes us. So Paul's saying devote yourself to prayer, so persevere. But he's also saying to do this with watchfulness and thankfulness. Have you ever... I guess we can understand thankfulness. You know, it's, we can appreciate it. it's good to be thankful. What's, this, what's the deal with this, watch, this watchfulness thing? Why is he saying be watchful and thankful? And you read through the Bible. Jesus used to say this quite a bit. He um, wrote a couple of things down here. Mark 13, 37. He says, what I say to you, I say to everyone. Watch. When um, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is the place he was in when he was arrested before they crucified him, um, Jesus said then, he said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He'd say that often. He'd say, watch. Watch. And as I sort of thinking about this, there's a couple of things here that I, I believe that this is, the, this is what he's wanting us to, to understand here. I mean, one is, it's like he's tying this, 
this whole thing is about prayer. Okay, so when he's saying this watch, you know, devote yourself in prayer, being watchful and thankful, he's talking about prayer. And it's so easy for us when we pray just to think about something, pray, and then just forget about it. And think, I've done my bit, I've prayed, and whatever will be, will be. And what Jesus is saying here is that keep your eyes open for what I'm doing. It may even be that I'm going to be wanting to use you to be part of the answer to this prayer. But keep an eye out. Watch, watch what unfolds on the back of this prayer and then watch and see. It may be that, you, that you're going to be a part of the answer here. Most prayers, my, I know that we pray a lot for people to be healed and, and it's wonderful when that happens, the miraculous happens, when the kingdom comes, there's a breaking in of, the, of just the, the incredible, wonderful um, nature of the kingdom breaks in and, and healing happens. But I, most of the times when I see people get healed, it's prayer after prayer after prayer. They'll, they'll get prayed for, and then maybe the next week they'll get prayed for again, and people will be praying for them in their home group, and then they'll get progressively you know, um, healed. And you know, God may just want us to be part of the answer. And if we're not watching, we won't see what he's, what he's doing. A lot of people keep a diary of their prayers. And uh, it's such a cool thing because they look back and they go, like, wow, look what God's done. Look at all these things he's answered. I've forgotten about that, and it's happened. It's a cool thing. This other thing, the other side of this thing with watch is that we need to watch out for opposition. You know, we're, we're not the only team on the field. I know I've said that before. We're not the only team on the field. We have an enemy. There's a scripture that's going to go up there. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, again, this is Paul saying this, The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that, I display, that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You know, and, you know we can pray... And there is an enemy out there that just comes swooping in. I mean, have you ever had the experience of just having this great conversation with someone about Jesus and, and you can just see that the, the lights are starting to come on and, and then before you know it, their car's broken down or, you know, work's gone mental and they just, um, they just seem to, like, get pulled away from, from those things that was just starting to take, take root in their heart. Um, you know, they're just just starting to go like, yeah, I think I need to explore this thing of faith and, you know, like an old boyfriend comes back into their life or, and just, you know, yeah, there's, a, there's a battle going on when it comes to this whole thing. There's a battle going on. And when we pray, we release spiritual power in the fight. So be watchful. Be pray- Look out for what the enemy's up to. Prayer's a, prayer's a serious business, you know. There's these people's eternities are at stake. So. Paul then goes on and says what, um, what we should be praying for. Talks about his own situation. He says, pray for open doors. Pray for open doors. It says there, Colossians 4.3. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. And Paul loves using this, this metaphor of the, of the open door. He does, does it all the time. It's just, he's, he talks about, I've got a couple of scriptures here. Um, 1 Corinthians 16, 9. Because a great door for effective work is open to me, and there are many who oppose me. Talking about this open door. Talking about, you know, staying where he, where he is because this door's been open. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 12. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me. And then in this Colossians verse, he says, pray that doors will be open. So we pray for open doors. 
open up doors, you know, that, um, and, you know, there's, there's so many things that potentially can close doors when it comes to people's journey of, of faith. And, um, and it may have been part of their, their history. They may have gone to a, a religious school and um, it wasn't a, might not have been a great experience for them. And so they're like going, nah, look, I've seen religion and uh, that's, that's, I'm done. Closed doors. It may be that that person um, was brought up um, in a um, you know, different, in a different, different religion, a different religion, and so that's kind of closed them to to things of faith in Jesus. Uh, it may be that they've had bad experiences with church or with a pastor or with a priest, and it's been, you know, um, it's been bad, and they're going like. You've got to be kidding. You know, closed doors. Closed doors. Might have been that their um, parents were fundamentalist Christians and they just, you know, it's down the line. It's down the line. And, you know, they knew the word. It's like, it's like knowing the words to a song but not the melody. You know, it's, uh, it's like, you, know, you can just close doors. We've just got to pray for open doors. Pray that God would open the doors to people's, you know, in people's minds that they would be able to, actually think about these things. Pray that open the doors so that they would be able to see. Open the, open the doors of their ears so that they would be able to hear what, what things are being, being said. You know, open the doors to their hearts so that, you know, that allow the love of Jesus to touch them. And uh, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago um, about how sometimes people, um, doors get open when they're in a crisis. And um, it can be pretty tough when you're praying for someone to be open to God and then all of a sudden something really bad happens in their life and you're just thinking like, oh, that's terrible. But you know what? Sometimes it can be the best thing and it, sometimes it can be actually God answering your prayer and we need to kind of see that. Does that make sense? Yeah. God can open doors. And he also says pray for clear communication. Colossians 4 verse 4, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Well, this is Paul, you know, one of the greatest orators, Christian thinkers, you know, in the, in the early church. And, and he's saying, please, please pray for me that I could proclaim this message clearly. Now, C.S. Lewis is, uh, as you know, one of my favorite Christian authors. And um, he wrote a, uh, a series of essays that got sort of put together into a book called God in the Dock. And um, one of the things that he says in that book is that if we're going to communicate our Christian faith, we have to learn how to translate words, especially religious words, into a language that other people can understand. You know, smart man, that guy, C.S. Lewis. And that's a, that's a great, I mean, anything that you read of C.S. Lewis. If you're someone that loves to read, you know, grab some C.S. Lewis books and, you know, plant some good stuff in your, in your head and your heart. But, you know, you look at today, if you talk to people, like if we all went out this afternoon... And we just, whoever we bumped into, you know, whether you're getting a pie for lunch or you uh, bump into your neighbour over the fence or, you know, and they've done church is not part of their, their world. If you said the word Christian to them, it would mean different things to so many different people. Now, a lot of people would not think that, understand Christian as I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That and that has made a real difference in my life. They wouldn't think like, 
it means that I am choosing to look at Jesus and to follow him and to live my life on the basis of how he is, is um, calling me to live and to, to obey. So we've got to make our message clear. And we, you know. All right, so we've talked a little bit about speaking to God about people. Let me just um, finish up with, uh, with this second little burst here. You know, we actually do need to speak to people about God. Um, but again, Paul's just so helpful when he talks about this. He says, Colossians 4 verse 5, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And so Paul's saying, you know, be wise, um, but be urgent. You know, it's, um, so translating being wise is it's, uh, just don't be a jerk. Okay, it's... Um, um, you've got to be tactful and thoughtful and, and sensitive and, um, and, it, and but he's also saying that it's not so wise that we say absolutely nothing you know there's a little bit of urgency in this and some of us may have you know aging parents or grandparents or you know and we don't we don't know how long we've got to to talk about these things with people and um, you know so it's important that at some point we actually do say hey you know, have you, th- have you thought about these things? Wisdom and urgency. It's a bit of a tightrope that we've got to stay on. But Paul gives us some help again about how to talk about this thing. He says, speak graciously and attentively. He said, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may, may know how to answer it, everyone. You know how why people think that you're a jerk? I'm sure people don't think you're a jerk, but... Just, just in general, we're just talking generally here, all right, is, um, is when you talk to people from this a perceived place of superiority. You know, when people, um, it doesn't, doesn't matter what they're talking to you about or where, you know, what situation you're in. If people talk to you like, I've got it going on and you haven't, you know, talk down to you, yeah. It, and, and, just treat you like you're not as good as me, then they'll think you're a jerk. And that's that's what when Paul's talking about it here, he's talking about the way that we speak. He's saying just just don't be a jerk. Just come alongside people. You know that that guy in the orange cap that we heard that story about. Okay, sincere guy, you know, but just had this. It just pushed people away. It wasn't helpful at all. Yeah, it just wasn't helpful. You know, we need to we need to come alongside people and go. You know what? You know, I haven't got things together, but you know, I found I found Jesus, and it's good. It's good. It's good. You know, it's just a fellow broken sinner talking to other fellow broken sinners and talking about how much we needed. God's grace and forgiveness and his love and still do and it's good Paul talks about it being seasoned with salt so speaking graciously and attractively a couple of things here just to finish that I would encourage you with here Paul's when he talks about how you may know how to answer 
everyone. Most of us can read that and think like, I don't know how to answer hardly anyone. You know? Um, but Paul, is, he, he's saying to us, we need to, resp- we need to engage with people intelligently. And, you know, if, you're, if you've just recently come to faith and you've just kind of starting to read the Bible when you don't know that much, it's like, well, it's, you know, that's, that's, it's hard because you don't have a lot of answers. Um, but for those of you that have been a Christian for a while, you know, you should have some answers. You know, I know that for me, I'm a bit of a, my personality is a, I'm a bit of a curious kind of a guy, you know, and um, so whenever I have conversations with people about faith and they've asked me uh, something and I'm going like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But what I've decided is that, like, I'll, I'll respond to something. I really don't know the answer, but I, I'm really curious now. So maybe we could talk about it some other time. I'll go around and do some homework and see if we can, you know, work out something that, because um, I've really got no idea what the answer is to that. And um, that's, that's served me pretty well because what that does is that next time someone asks, asks you that same question, you kind of like, oh, I've thought this through. You know, I thought this through. Here's, here's what I've come to. What do you think? Um, we had this young adults group um, at our house just around the same time as we started the church, about um, three, just a little over three years ago. And um, my eldest daughter, Rebecca, she just had a whole bunch. She just left high school and had a whole bunch of friends, and um, and they were at a bit of a bit of a loose end. And so she said, "Dad, can we just do something and just like hang out and just talk about things and maybe talk about faith and just help a lot of these people sort of stay on the straight and narrow as they've left high school and potentially." You know, going in all sorts of places that may not be helpful. And so I said, yeah, sure, let's do it. And we just had a whole bunch of young people together. And, and what we did is that I was kind of leading it, but I'd just sort of start off by like, hey, have you guys ever thought about this? What do you think? And they'd just bounce around all sorts of ideas, and some of them were great, and some of them were not so great, and some of them were outright wacky. And, and um, but we just let them talk. But at the end, what I'd do, maybe just for five minutes, I said, like, you know, here's some things I've learned, you know. And I said, like, take these away and, and, and ponder them. And I just dropped them into the, into the conversation. And these young people, they just found this really helpful, you know, really helpful, especially as they're in this interesting time in their, in their, in their own journey of faith. And, um, I've just, and I, I just would encourage you to, to perhaps do the same. Every time you've got a question about stuff, I mean, Mr. Google is really makes you smart, you know? It's like... I know that when I see you guys when I'm speaking and you've got your phones out, I know you're not texting. I know you're just looking something up and just like checking something with my message. That's right, eh? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Alpha is great for that, just to, you know, helping you find, find answers to some of these questions that people have. And um, Home groups can be great because you're just with a bunch of people who are just you know, just regular coasties just getting together and trying to work out, man, what is, you know, trying to work out life and faith together. Um, and it's, you know, often people ask similar kind of questions, like how can you trust the Bible, you know? How do you know God is real? And if God is real, why is there suffering in, in the world? And, you know, all of these questions you've probably heard a lot. And um, why do Christians say that Jesus is the only way to God? And, um, there's a couple of books I'm just going to throw up onto here. If you're someone that wants to, you know, have answers at your fingertips and you're into reading. There's a couple of books. There's one, there's a book called um, Searching Issues, which was um, um, put out by Alpha. Um, there's a book called uh, Intellectuals Don't Need God and Other Modern Myths by Alistair McGrath. 
and there's also a couple of books by Lee Strobel's called The Case for Christ and The Case for Faith. And if you're, if you're thinking, you know what, I, I want to get better at this thing, and, uh, but I would love to just feel a little bit more confident going into it, grab some of these books. Just have a bit of a read. Making the most of every opportunity, responding intelligently, but also responding personally. You know, just talking about your own story, what Christ has done for you. You know what? I've got a great role here at Coast. Hearing, as pastor, I hear so many of your stories about what God's doing in your lives. And you know what? I tell other people about your stories. Well, I've got my own stories, but it's just cool to be able to have, and it's not just me that's happening. It's like, let me tell you about this, and let me tell you about this person here that was going through this hard time. Let me talk about this person that was um, that God just miraculously provided for. They were praying for this house, or they were praying for this job, or you know. And it's just I'm telling your stories all the time, and um, about healings and changed lives, and and you know what people that aren't people of faith often say? They say, "Wow," says like, "Perhaps you could say a little prayer for me." happens they don't really believe but um, but we pray and um, so share personally share what Jesus has done so let me let me just leave you with this it's, wouldn't it just be wonderful for us as a church as we sort of think back and with gratitude to like when someone actually talked to us about Jesus and, and journeyed with us to the point where we said yes and we've had these experiences of, of God's goodness wouldn't it be great if we, if we just fire this up a little bit more in our own lives and in our church and I know that for many of you you know, you're the, the most courage you've got is to just say to someone hey why don't you just come along on a Sunday and you know what I love that you know because you know People come along here on, on Sunday, and you may be here this morning, you may not be a person of faith, but, but look, look around, we're just a bunch of regular people trying to, trying to work out this whole thing of, of life and faith together and working out God together. You know, we're not too weird, just a little bit weird, but um, communion's a little bit weird, eh, when you think about it, eh? But it's kind of cool, but it's kind of a little weird as well, eh? It's like just a little bit of bread, and, but it is cool because it's remembering the death of Jesus. Speaking in tongues, now, that's a little weird. Well, we won't go there. Um, so let's fire this up, you know. Why don't we be people that can share our faith like Paul encourages us to, share it graciously and attractively and winsomely and humbly and intelligently. And for us to experience this joy of knowing that through our prayers and through our conversations that we're actually helping people come and find this life life abundant and life eternal in Jesus. Why don't we do that? Why don't we be that kind of church? All right, let's, let's all stand together.